handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Clearly, don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan. It is 9.07 a.m. on Sunday, the day the Lord has made, March 6th in the year of our Lord 2022. Thank you for tuning in, for listening, for subscribing. Obviously, sometimes I throw out bonus episodes uh, that I don't promote on social media just to see how the subscriber uh, engagement is, and uh, it never fails to disappoint. So thank you to everybody who subscribes. Um, and, uh, thanks to everybody who, who doesn't, who just occasionally listens. Um, I can't blame you, uh, because sometimes the episodes are truly morose. Um, but Hey, if you're into, uh, you know, psych experiments and chronicling, uh, the mental decline of a comedian, then, then this is a great sort of real time, um, listening experience for you. Now, Anyway, guys, knee surgery was a success. I'm starting to bend my leg. The swelling is down. I've removed most of the bandages. The bleeding is not bad. So uh, I'm just hoping that I'm on, a, on pace for, for running in April for the first time in, you know, almost two years to get back to running. And then that will hopefully lead to playing basketball again just for fun. Um, or I can blow out my, my right knee and we can start this process all over again, but hopefully not. Um, what will I tell you about today? A lot of things, given the knee injury, uh, well, the knee surgery, I f- it finally gave me a few days to really just binge like a real American on way too much streaming content. So I actually made a dent in uh, things I've been watching. So what have I watched other than nor- things I've been keeping up with? I watched the entire fourth season of Cobra Kai, the entire first season of The After Party, which is on Apple TV, Cobra Kai is on Netflix. And to all you posers who are like who discovered Cobra Kai, I watched Cobra Kai seasons one and two on YouTube. And I couldn't even get this is the power of my lack of power of persuasion. I couldn't get friends, good friends, to 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 get a free trial subscription to to YouTube premium to watch Cobra Kai. I said it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, and we'll do a fuller review later in the show, but 
No. And then it got on Netflix and oh, oh Cobra Kai is so awesome. It's like, yeah, I, I, I told you where you could watch it for free two years ago. And you didn't heed my advice. So anyway, um, now I'm just bitter on behalf of other entertainers. I've, I've exhausted my own supply and my own rage at my own fans. Um, so now I'm just enraged on behalf of other people. Um, the After Party, that, and... Oh, and, and all six episodes on Paramount Plus before I... Uh, uh, right as I deleted my subscription to Paramount Plus. It was the first streaming platform to, to lose my business. Just because I watched probably four things in a year on Paramount Plus. But the last thing I watched was one of the first things I added to my QE, my list, uh, Coyote with Michael Chiklis. Just a six-episode first season, no idea if it's coming back, but I actually enjoyed it. I actually thought it was, it, it had all the hallmarks of kind of a traditional CBS drama, but because it was on streaming, it was a little more raw, more cursing, more violence, and it was actually kind of, I, I just, I would recommend it. If you have Paramount+, Plus, I'd recommend Coyote. I don't think it's worth signing up for the whole service, but... Uh, what do I know? But we'll get to those things. So, yes, that's a lot for me. For somebody who's been falling years behind, still haven't watched The Queen's Gambit, years behind streaming content, to, to bang out three full seasons in, like, five days, I think is an accomplishment. Um, you know, uh, some people take up arms and fight for freedom in Ukraine. Other people take up couches and watch, uh, you know, 14 hours of content over four days. We all fight our own struggles and we're all our own heroes in some way so we'll review those in more detail later um reading has really gone i, I do feel like a real american right now because I, I haven't i've read like eight pages since i had knee surgery i just being in slight pain it's like more like i'd just rather watch oh and i watched all four episodes of we uh we need to talk about cosby which i did talk about on the bonus um episode by the way the bonus episode is just a regular episode that i didn't promote as heavily so it's on the same feed as this so if you're only hearing this episode and you're like i don't remember jl talking about how his surgical team were huge fans of his comedy and um more engaged in his work than 95 percent of his self-professed fans well then you can go back and listen to that episode as well this week but um, I'm trying to think what I have to report. Uh, talk to the so so we're going to talk about work and my accountant and uh, and some streaming content and probably at some point bitch and moan about comedy. Um, uh, the righteous girlfriend this morning heard me laughing at James Austin Johnson's Donald Trump, which I have been enjoying on on SNL, and she said something to me that hurt. Can you hear that? That's a car honking in our garage, or in our parking lot. So that's fun. Windows are closed, but, you know, by all means, our locked parking lot definitely needs your fucking car to have a humongously loud honking car alarm, you fucking cunt. Um, anyway, guys, I did say on that Jean-Louis Covin Inside the Actor's Studio episode that my favorite curse word was a combo, a fucking cunt. Um, which I rarely call women directly that I just sort of use it. Uh, maybe like there's, there's like secret part of me. That's an Anglophile. Can you hear, I assume this mic is pretty good at picking up on noise. So I assume you can hear that honk. I, I guys, we all know I have some rage issues and they stem from deeper frustrations uh, about life and, and, and things in my life. But I really want to go down right now to the uh, parking lot 
behind my building and take a brick and throw it through this person's window and then just drop a few bills like Sonny and the Godfather. Um, Cause you're, 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 you're making my podcast and my life miserable for the, for the, for this time. And that's, that's a long time for a car alarm to be going off. It still hasn't stopped. Um, would you guys like to hear me just go off mic and run to the window and say, turn off your fucking car alarm before I go down there and strangle you, you piece of shit? Why don't we just listen to it? Why don't we all experience this? Sunday morning. The Lord's Day. This is what you do. This is what your piece of shit car... By the way, my favorite thing about Jersey... Well, there's so many things I love about Jersey, but I do love the fact that people in Jersey are so fucking linked to their cars. They're like Los Angeles people but they don't actually need their car as much as they think. Um, and they're shittier drivers. But yeah, we, we were, we, you pay rent to be in a building right near the subway station and, or the train station. And then you just have a car anyway, and you just, just pay insurance and parking fees for, for your, you know, to, to, and, and additional rent. Why not live somewhere farther away from the train where you could pay less rent? Because that's incorporated to rent. But it's because you're stupid. That's why. And the dumbest of all these fucking cunts is whoever owns this car whose horn, whose horn won't stop going. I'm pretty sure your car's not being stolen. It's sitting in the locked garage. As God is my witness on this Sabbath day, one day I am probably just going to take a brick and throw it through this person's car. Because there is a car whose alarm is very sensitive and goes off often. But uh, yeah, this is, oh, it stopped. Look at that. And peace has returned to the Righteous Prick Podcast. Hi, everybody. This is JL. Um, so let's, okay, let's just go through the, the laundry list of things. Talk to the accountant. And as I said, this is, this is classic. The JL Jinx has now extended to accounting practices. Now, as you may have recalled, I, you know, like, like I'm that guy who met, who gets the genie in the lamp and says something, and then the genie, via cynical semantics, like fucks me over. It's like if I were if I if I rubbed the lamp, it'd be like, um, what would I? I want to be the I want to be the richest person in the world. And it would give me like crypto. And then like the next day, the crypto market would, 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 would like take a nosedive and I'd be worth nothing. But for that one day, I'd be the richest, like that kind of thing. Um, so I had said on the bonus episode, I said, I'm meeting with my accountant and I'm hoping that uh, what I'm hoping for is like a, re- a return, like a refund of like, like somewhere like nine grand. I think I even may have said between eight and 10 grand. Now, here's the good news. Between New York State, New Jersey State, and the federal government, my refund is supposed to be, would be a total of like $9,300. And I was like, whoa, I called that pretty, pretty awesome. Um, And then my accountant said words that were just so disappointing. He said, what I would recommend is that you just roll that back towards your 2022 payments. So rather than getting a a refund that you then have to send most of it back in April and June, just roll it back towards your 2022 taxes. And I was like, 
fine, do that. I guess I'll just keep wearing baggy fat clothes for the foreseeable future while I continue to pay the government a loan that they will pay me back in 11 months. Great. Fuck my life. Um, so that's what's happening. So um, I called it. I called it almost uh, almost perfectly and just didn't see that last part where now my accountant has me paying quarterly uh, estimates assuming I'm going to make the same amount of comedy money that I made in 2021 where you of all people my fans know that that's not going to happen <laughs> no one knows my declining comedy finances better than my fans who don't support what I do so that said I will make my quarterly payments, which has already been made by my rolling back my refund for April. And then I will make my quarterly payment for June. And then we're just going to see what happens between June and September. Because maybe, just maybe, I won't have to make any quarterly payments after that because my career will be in a financial tailspin. So um, it's been real. Guys, thank you for this magical 18-year run. It'll be 19 years in June. Um, I want to thank you for this magical run where I managed to, um, thanks to years 17 and 18, finally turn a, a career profit. Um, I also want to thank everybody who came on board in 2020 uh, and, and has stayed. And also those people who just uh, occasionally watched. And as I always say, thank you to the 0.4% of my fans who signed up for my monthly newsletter um, I appreciate it because now you guys get to know uh, when I have live shows and specials being released and TV drama appearances that you can ignore. So now you're at least aware of what you don't have to support. But um, I did have one of those comments. I, I'm showing growth, people. It's about growth. I did have a comment from a woman. I posted a video as Trump yesterday uh, trying to negotiate the release of Brittany Griner, WNBA star, who is currently imprisoned in Russia. And uh, the woman said, "Love, have loved your stuff since 2020. Thanks for, for getting me through so many difficult times. It's great to see that you're back. And I simply wrote, I've been posting probably eight times a day for the last two years. But I stopped at, thanks for the support, you motherfucker. I didn't go there. This is where the growth comes in. I said... If you've been missing my videos and you and you like those, then I would suggest you subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, and I think the person did, and we'll leave it at that. So that was uh, that was nice, um, but it also just goes to show you my 150th time complaining about this. I don't know why it happened to me. If if. This is, this is, I'd say, the frustrating thing about a career in comedy in general. You never even get answers. Like, if I don't get something, I'd love to get a, an email or a, a phone message or a text or any, anything just saying to me, yes, yeah, sorry, we went with someone else, but thanks for contributing. Or, oh, no, we can't use you because we don't want X, Y, or Z. Or we saw that you did this. Or we, we just, we're, we're, we're all stocked up on half Haitian, half Irish comic geniuses with law degrees and large social media followings. We are, we, 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 we filled that spot in our roster, so we can't use you, but it's, you'll never even get answers. And with social media, it's just like, so my account was on fire for a year 
reaching millions of people. I did nothing wrong. I never got any warning from any social media company. My account just became sort of frozen out and treated as a sort of, um, what's the word, an ill actor? No, a bad actor. Like it's like my account was sort of treated like it was a bad actor. So they didn't like ban me, but they basically put me on sort of permanent probation. So I have people who haven't seen, you know, I have fans who haven't seen my stuff in like months or a year going, hey, great that you're back. And I'm like, back? Oh, oh boy. And you just, it makes you want to quit because you can't solve the problem, you can't fix the problem, and you can't even get a, an answer of what is the problem? What did I do that was wrong? Or what, how can I rectify something that I'm doing? If it, if it was as simple as, oh, you're posting too many external links, they think you're doing too much promotion. Hey, it's a business, you, you, you get with the times. But as I've said before, when that was happening to me in 2021, I tried to buy ads. I figured, oh, I'll play the game. I understand Twitter's a business. So if you want me to like, if you want me to get seen by more people to pay, they wouldn't allow me to purchase ads because I was a quote unquote political account. And then there was no way to challenge that classification. So you're just sort of like stuck in a cage of your own making. Like I became very big on Twitter and then it became like useless. Like, like a huge dick that you can't get hard. It's, it's only good for urinal bragging. It has no functional effect after that. <laughs> so so this, that's where we are. And yesterday was just another reminder of like, oh, yeah. Once again, a fan who hasn't, who's, who's on Twitter hasn't seen me in months. So they're missing stuff that they actually like. So... You know, that's just another item of despair. But yes, my accountant delivered me the good bad news, which is you got exactly what you wanted and now you can't use it. So, um, yeah, so I'm just going to keep paying the IRS like I'm a successful comedian. But hopefully by next year, I'll get to keep my refund when my accountant and me both realize the dream is dead and my career is over. And then we can have a celebration a funeral, a eulogy for my comedy career on the cusp of 20 years doing comedy where I go, I achieved all my dreams and I'm a failure. And not many people can pull that combo off. Uh, I've made it to TV, late night, fame, national press, more money, made more money as a comedian in two years than I did as a lawyer. And it's over. So, uh, yeah, so that's that's where we're at with that. But the accountant, um, I just thought that was, you know, I have to, I sort of laugh a very dark laugh often um, at, at so much related to my comedy career. And this was just another thing where it's like, oh, I guess if I keep paying quarterly payments, it may, it will make me feel positive. Like, hey, maybe I will have some success this year. But... Cameo is way down. Understandable that that I was always anticipating. YouTube is way down, which is one of those things like the YouTube is way down is sort of like my Twitter being way down where you're like, obviously, I triggered something or the algorithm is f not favoring my content for no reason. It's like the people who follow me still follow me. The people who subscribe to my channel still chose to subscribe. And I've I've kept 99% of those people. But they don't see my stuff. So it's just, it's one of those things where you go, so YouTube is way down, 
cameos way down. I have very few gigs scheduled. So basically from that you can infer, oh, I'm about to plummet back to 2018 comedy money levels. Okay, so be it. Um, but if I keep paying quarterly payments, like basically going broke every quarter, trying to pay as if I'm a success, maybe that's like the secret, right? If you pay taxes like a successful comedian, you will become a successful comedian. Um, or remain, I should say, remain a successful comedian. But, you know, in comedy, I've, I, there's two lanes right now to me of success, with exceptions, of course. Um, this is not an ironclad rule, but it's a, a rule of thumb. It's uh, you're either an aggrieved white guy complaining or a white, an aggrieved white guy ally who's willing to shit on your own people, much like in politics. You know, that's like the Republican wing of comedy, even if they're not all Republicans. The Republican wing of comedy is I'm an aggrieved white guy or I'm tired of white guys being aggrieved or I'm an ally to the aggrieved white guy. And there's a there's a small but lucrative pie to be shared by those people. Um, and then the other side is I'm a left of center person who's willing to use my platform not to share great comedy, but just to roast the same cast of characters um, and be an ally to progressive thoughts and, and, and issues. And my comedy may be sort of generic and easily found via social media, but that doesn't matter because... I'm providing political and social confirmation to a vast number of people who aren't necessarily the greatest comedy fans, but they'll support the message. Now, some people out there may hear me and go, well, JL, didn't you make a bunch of money like mocking the GOP? Well, yeah, but I did it with comedy and impressions and sketches. And anybody who knows my stand-up also knows I don't really do politics in my stand-up. And that's, that's been the line that I've had trouble navigating, which is like, <clears throat> yeah, I have my politics and I have my impressions and then I have my stand-up. And, you know, the odd thing is pro a lot of MAGA people would probably really enjoy my comedy because it's great and fairly irreverent and fairly apolitical. Just because that's what I, I don't do that. That's not it's certainly not a, a financial calculation. That's just the way I've mostly always done stand-up comedy. But my sketches and impressions lean one way. But if I, as I've always said, if I could do a Joe Biden impression, I'd be making fucking money off of a Joe Biden impression right now. Like there's like there's no sacred cows to me. Um, I don't think Joe Biden is a, is a horrible person or anything like that. So it would it would hit differently than a Trump impression. But I'm not avoiding a Biden impression because I'm somehow letting my politics dictate my comedy. But this is where we are now. This is sort of the general, you know, so so you end up being somebody who's like. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a left of center person um, who leaves their politics outside the stand-up comedy club 99% of the time. And even when I don't, like that Let's Go Brandon clip that's on my home, website homepage that got a bunch of views, I still manage to make those people enjoy the show and laugh their asses off and high-five me for a great show afterwards, even though I didn't hold back. Because they brought the fight to me, so I brought it back to them, and then I got back on track with my stand-up. But that that lane, it seems like it's it's just and then you factor in also that I'm, you know, angry looking white guy enough to turn off the progressive wing of the entertainment industry, but um, half Haitian and liberal enough to not be a welcome uh, member of the uh, 
angry white guy caucus of comedy. So, you know, you end up being a fucking Adam Kinzinger or a, or a fucking, um, I don't know, who's the, who's the pro-abortion Democrat from Pennsylvania Senator? Casey? I think it's Casey. Is he still a senator? I think he's still a senator. But Casey, he's the son of Casey, who was, I think, a governor or a senator from Pennsylvania. But Bob Casey, I want to I want to say, I'm just saying it's it's you end up having like you may end up having respectable views and whatever. But it's like it, it feels like you're, you know, it feels like being the political, the comedy equivalent of like a politician with no party. Um, even if you're even if people examine your views and would say, oh, I like that guy. Um, you end up so so that's where I am and it's it's I don't know I don't know what to do Uh, that's a common theme with my career but uh, you know we can just say some prayers for billions and for uh, some algorithm changes which is just not how I want to do comedy I I feel like I've accomplished enough where I don't want to be like um, yeah I just have to after 19 years I have to sit and pray on it um, hoping that uh, either billions rewrites writes me into season seven, or that uh, the Twitter algorithms change, or um, yeah, that's 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 no way to go through a career, especially when you feel like you've reached close to the mountaintop and are ready for for big things. So we have the special in May. Um, uh, since I announced Tuesday, like a week ago, um, nobody's bought a ticket. Um, so part of me wants to be like, you know what, fuck it. I'll do the show for 25 people. I'll make no money off the show. And I'll do it for 25 people because maybe that's the best representation of my career. Maybe maybe that's the way to go out. Um, because it's not just the industry, obviously. It's also having apathetic fans or not real comedy fans as the bulk of your fan base. So it's it's maybe it's more representative to be like yeah no here's a here's a the, the small theater I uh, is one third filled because that's what I bring to the table and you can watch this special and be wowed by the ta- like you know like Rich Voss said of keep my enemies closer when he he just mentioned me on his podcast like a few years ago he was just like that guy JL who did the the CK impression he's actually a really good comic I was listening to his album on Sirius and it was like. Didn't sound like anybody was there, but the shit was funny. And I think, you know what? That Maybe that would be the, the best, if, if I ever get a comedy tombstone when my career ends, maybe that's the quote to define my career. There, it didn't sound like anybody was there, but the shit was really funny. <laughs> I, you know, I think I, I thank Rich Voss for that. I think that is, um, that is a perfect uh, summary of, of my stand-up career. And... I'd rather it be that than the other way. I'd rather, I would rather not be called somebody who's like, I don't get why people like this guy. He sucks. I don't, I would rather have the, nobody was there, but this shit was really funny. Because at the end, that the reason I do comedy is because I think I, I'm, I'm really good at it, first and foremost. Um, and then you hope that you can make money at the things you're good at. So, um, yeah. So taxes and comedy complaints. But uh, if you're listening to this, uh, Buffalo, New York, April 26th, I should be headed back to Washington, D.C. area in April or May for some warm-up shows that uh, my friend John Yeager is trying to organize for me, Um, you know, just so I can get like three or four headlining sets uh, as I fine-tune 
half blackface 2.0 um and then i'll just be emailing a bunch of clubs and i'm i'm, I'm this week i'm going to start to look because now that i know i'll be able to move about and travel in april um I, I, you know now i don't have to wait till late april to start doing warm-up gigs but i'm gonna have to contact uh friends and stuff for like do you know any rooms in connecticut jersey new york like one-nighters or, or bar like just something some place that will pay me a couple hundred bucks to, to 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 do shows like i don't you know this isn't about ego this isn't about clubs this is about um this is about getting this the warm the reps before may 14th which is of course new york city 9 30 p.m half blackface 2.0 so um, if you didn't heed my request the first time, but you are going to go, um, if you were at the first taping, there will be definite changes to this one. It'll be a tighter set. Some things will be removed uh, that will be available on the album version. Um, and some things, some great, great bits will be added that you've never heard. So, you know, if that's enough to entice you uh, to, to make another trip to see, uh, just to, to buy tickets, um, I hope you will. But I understand also not wanting to go to a repeat performance. I, I that I understand. So this is I'm not like pissed at anybody who came the first time and isn't coming to the second one. But it'd just be nice to be able to sell another small theater out um, for the biggest show. Now the biggest show of my life, um, 2.0. <laughs> but uh, you know when that comes out, that's whew. I don't know, folks. I just don't know. It's, it's, I just didn't think I'd be at the end of the line on this one, but so be it. It's, you know, as I've joked before, cops and teachers and what they get a, you know, they get a pension, um, they get a pension, um, sorry, I'm just reading a text. They get a pension after 20 years, they can retire. Maybe that's what my comedy career will be, that I will achieve the artistic, um, accomplishments i want maybe not the 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 recognition or the the wealth that i thought might accompany that even though that's not what i was doing it for but you know the special like i said i said it it's it's so it's so frustrating to be literally going through deja vu like i just said this to all of you months ago where i was like this is it this is the big show this could be the end of it and then i delivered and it got fucked up and god that that oof this is not the way to start a Sunday morning, but it's still it's still eating at me that 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 happened. Um, I really I think I'm so enraged that I can't even tap into that rage because it would just make me tell a bunch of people to fuck off, and if I see you in the street, I'll fucking break your fucking head open. You you see what like see why you can't really express that like that's I think lurking underneath because this was it. This was bottom of the it felt like bottom of the ninth, two outs. And I cracked a home run to win the game. Like that, that's, that is the feeling. Like last at bat of my career, if I don't hit a home run. And then I fucking hit a home run. And they fucked it up. They fucked it up. And, you know, there's always going to be a part of me that just wishes I could handle it like a fucking gangster. Because it's, it was, it's my life. You know, it's, it's, it's not life or death. But it is my life. It is my livelihood. It was the most important show of my life. And I I felt like I did the impossible. Like I did a fucking closing bit that the track, that the album and special is named after. 
And I did it for the first fucking time and stuck the fucking landing. That is stupid to do. That is like some sports movie bullshit where you're like, I've never tried this move before, but game seven of the NBA finals is as good a time as any. And then I did it. And we all know what happened. So, um, you know, I will just uh, continue to work through that process so that I'm not just sweating with rage on May 14th when I shoot it again. Um, but God, God help everyone if that tape gets fucked up. Because that shit will be like a fucking Stephen King novel if, if that gets fucked up. So... Anyway, with those ominous, creepy threats behind us, let's do some reviews. So, first, I, I already talked, listened to the last episode. If you want to hear about, uh, we need to talk about Cosby. Watched all four episodes of that Wednesday when I was high on Oxy. I, fe- I felt like it was an immersive experience. I was like, I'm taking drowsy drugs while listening to Bill Cosby making women drowsy with drugs. Um, but really enjoyed it. Enjoyed, you know what I mean by enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was very well done and, and really, while respecting Cosby's legacy and talent as an entertainer, you can't, I don't know how you can leave that, like, uh, I don't know how you could leave that series and be like, I'm still a Cosby fan. It's like, do I still want to watch Bill Cosby himself? Yes. Because even in that documentary, watching the clips from that, I was remembering laughing hysterically at that. And it was making me laugh again. Like the talent was undeniable. But there wasn't like, anyway, I talked about it on the last episode. So that was, uh, that definitely gets a a recommendation, a thumbs up from me. Um, The next thing up, because I wanted something light, you know, a, a palate cleanser after uh, being roofied with sadness by the uh, Bill Cosby documentary was Cobra Kai season four, which I watched in uh, you know under twenty four hours. Here's what I'll say about Cobra Kai. I enjoy it. It is. I thought season three was the worst season. I thought season four was actually better than season three, but I thought season three was the worst. Um, I think Netflix almost got their Disney-esque claws in it and and maybe ramped up the kid content and the cheese factor a little bit. Um, Whereas, to me, the the straw that stirs the Cobra Kai drink is William Zabka, Johnny Lawrence. The show, to me, is an A or A- whenever he's on screen because he is funny, the character is written brilliantly, and... Even in dramatic moments, he doesn't come off cheesy the way, no offense, that Ralph Macchio can sometimes come off a little cheesy. I also like the villains in season four. It's Coach Kreese, who's the guy, you know, the original sensei of Cobra Kai who who shows up. Because he's like very hammy, but it works. You know, he's always glowering. He's always, he's, he's almost a Disney villain, but it works. Kind of the way Vince McMahon worked as a villain in WWF. Even if it was a little cheesy, you embraced it. You were all in. And they bring back, I think his name was Thomas Ian Griffith, who played Terry Silver, the villain in Karate Kid 3, which pretty much stunk. But he's really good in this series, too. So for me, the three, the three standouts are 
William Zapka, uh, um, Martin Covey, I think, is the name of John Creese in real life, and Thomas Ian Griffith, Terry Silver. Enjoy all three of them. And they do such a good job of even of recognizing the absurdity of the premise of The Karate Kid when, when, when Terry Silver at one point says, I mean, I spent months trying to ruin the life of a teenager over a karate tournament. It sounds crazy when you say it out loud. And I laughed because I was like, the series is very good at recognizing the sort of the absurdity of the whole Karate Kid phenomenon while still loving, you know, the first movie, liking the second movie and thinking the third one was true trash. Um, but to me, once it strays from them, some of the kids are good actors, don't get me wrong, but it's very melodramatic. It's very weird. Sometimes it strikes me as very weird and very corny. So it's like a C minus for me on average when when William Zabka is not in. Because to me, one and two, seasons one and two, the YouTube seasons of Cobra Kai um, were, and I remember I had to correct some woman like in 2020 when they were like, um, you think that's the best show? What about Cobra Kai? And I was like, ma'am, Twitter follower, wench. Uh, I watched it when I was on YouTube. It's not new. It's new to you. Okay. But new to you just means you're late to the party. So back the fuck up. Um, but the YouTube seasons were 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 exceptional, seasons one and two. I mean, and it was all because of William Zapka, to me. Um, and also, of course, I go through. I make everything about me. So I was talking to the righteous girlfriend watching the show, and I go, "Now the guy Thomas Ian Griffith is really good um, as Terry Silver, and Johnny Lawrence. I mean, he was like Mr. Eighties comedy villain." And then just kind of disappeared. And I don't know his story. I don't know if... I think I think it used to be a thing where once you became known as something, it almost could hurt your career. Like if you were too successful at something, it could hurt your career. Now, being known for anything can only help your career. Unless you're me. Unless you're me and then it hurts your career. So I'm still, I'm still treated under the 80s rules of Hollywood. But for almost everybody else, if you're known for anything, you can do anything. Um, but I, I always am curious about like, so William Zabka was just sitting there with talent and fame from the 80s doing nothing. And then, boom, 30 years later, just shows back up in Cobra Kai and is killing it. And, you know, and same thing with the guy playing Terry Silver. I'm like, here's a here's a tall dude who could have been in action movies. He was when he was younger. He was a very good looking guy. He was like a, actually a martial artist. I think he was like 6'5", so maybe he had the JL problem of being too tall. But but then there's like, you look at his IMDb, and he went through like, from 2005 to like 2014, nothing. There's like nothing listed. And I was just like, what did he do? Because he was in some action movies and stuff in the 90s. Like, it seemed like he was getting like one thing a year. And then I saw that he was writing for the show Grimm, which I watched on NBC. Terrible final season, but really good first four seasons of Grimm. I think it's probably on Peacock if you're interested. Um, but I really like the show Grimm. And he was a writer on that. And I said, oh, that's that's cool. You know, just getting paid. You, you know, you're a writer for four seasons on like a primetime NBC network show. But it was just like, I, I look at those things sometimes because it makes me think about me trying to go full time in entertainment. And yeah, the 2020 and 2021 money can stretch for a while. 
but it can't stretch forever. And I don't know. I sometimes I, I just I, I'm curious. I'd be curious to be like, maybe I should just do a, a deep dive because I'm sure Zapka has been on like podcasts and stuff and done interviews. But I my part of me is just like, yeah, what did he do? Like, what's his reaction? Because maybe he's a really well grounded guy. Maybe he has a family. Maybe he did other things behind the scenes. But to me, it's like you were kind of a rising star in the '80s. And then, like, nowhere to be found. And then you show up 30 years later, and it's almost like an F you because you're so good at this new spin on Johnny Lawrence. Funny and heartfelt. and But is there any resentment where you're like, yeah, what? Like, I've always had this talent, and it's been ignored. And it feels great to be recognized now, but I had these lean years of, like, why can't I get hired? Like, I'm good. I'm good at what I do. That's, I just, I'd be curious. And maybe I should just look up if he's done any interviews. Um, because, you know, as they say, misery loves company. And, and I can be okay if, um, if I can just find some evidence that other people are really resentful of this business. <laughs> um, so Cobra Kai, I enjoyed season four for sure. I laughed intentionally and I laughed at the show pretty much every episode. But overall, it felt good. Um, it definitely felt better than season three, which I think was without question the, the low point um, of, of the show. Um, like I, I hated season three pretty much, but I liked season four. I love seasons one and two. So I'm on board for season five of Cobra Kai for sure. Um, then after Cobra Kai, I watched Coyote, which I stretched over like three days. That was like my morning show. Um, which is, as I was saying before, Michael Chiklis, and he plays a border agent who retires but then gets caught up in, like, a Mexican cartel thing. And I got to say, it, it uh, good, very good. Like like I said, if you have Paramount Plus, I wouldn't recommend you get Paramount Plus for it. But if you have Paramount Plus, give Coyote a spin. I think it was very good. I have no idea if it's coming back for a season two because it – Season one went up, all six episodes went up in January of 2021, so obviously they'd be due for a season two by now, but who knows, maybe the ratings stunk. After all, it took me 14 months of having it in my list before I watched it, and only once I was canceling Paramount Plus did I watch it, but I enjoyed it, so I would give it a thumbs up. And then the pick of the week, guys, a new segment that will only be on this week and no other week, the After Party on Apple TV. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, watched the entire season yesterday. Eight episodes for a total of like probably four hours and 50 minutes of, of TV viewing. Loved it. Loved it. Um, I'll, after watching Blockers, very underrated com. Well, I don't know if it's underrated. It just it was a hit comedy, but it wasn't like a mega smash hangover hit. But it was a hit. Um, proved that John Cena had comedy chops, which he applied in the Peacemaker, which I've also finished and enjoyed. Um, but Blockers for me was the the breakout performance was Ike Barinholtz, who was who was on Mad TV, and I never thought one way or the other about him. But on blo in Blockers, I was just like, God, this guy's funny. And I kept looking at him going, I feel like if Dane Cook's management team hadn't been so greedy and kind of front-loaded him in like five movies that almost entirely sucked, 
he should have been picked. Like, they wanted to make Dane Cook a star instead of going with that methodical approach, like, make him the, like, scene stealer for a couple of movies. Then you give him his own vehicle. They were just like, we're, Dane Cook is starring in five new movies, and they're mostly going to be terrible movies. He was really mismanaged, is what I'm saying, because Dane Cook had mega fame, um, huge fan base, and you gave him terrible movies. Um, like, by the time his last big movie came out, My Best Friend's Girl, that was actually a funny movie. But that was like his fifth movie, and people, I think, had given up on him as a movie star by then. But um, when I watched Ike Barinholtz, I thought to myself, in Blockers, I was like, see, this is the kind of role that Dane Cook's team should have gotten him in. A scene-stealing, very funny role. And from then on, I basically, whenever Ike Barinholtz is in a comedy, I'll watch it because I want that, that, that magic again of Blockers. And he's been in some good stuff. Nothing as good as Blockers until the after party. Um, the after party is so good. For, I, just, I think it was so funny and so enjoyable. Um, and episodes two and three. The episode two is the one that focuses on Ike Barinholtz's character. Um, basically, it's about a high, an after party at a high school reunion where one of the alums uh, gets murdered. And it becomes a kind of murder mystery. And each episode is from a different perspective of one of the attendees of the party. So it's like, you know, depends on their mood and what they're about. So each one, like one is animated because it's like the person's a teacher and very kind of bubbly. One is like a music video style almost or a musical. But episode two is like Baron Holtz's character's episode. And it's really funny. And I was like, oh, this is what I came for. Episode three is Ben Schwartz, who most people know as uh, Jean-Ralphio on Parks and Recreations. And I was literally saying to The Righteous Girlfriend, I was like, you know, he was so good as Jean-Ralphio, and I don't think he's been as good in anything since. And that's no shame, because Jean-Ralphio, that, that's a scene stealer. Like on a show full of great, great comedy and cast, his character, when he would show up, he, was, he played Aziz Ansari's friend on the show stole the stole the show when he was on screen so funny so this i was like okay let's see what he's got and then in episode three is his episode and it's i'm calling it right now the best musical of 2022 how about that because it's like the music musical style video because he's in in music or entertainment and it's god it was and the whole show was just really really good so i was really you know you just you feel happy where there's so much streaming. I, I feel so mad when I watch something and I'm like, that sucked. Like I stopped watching The Shrink Next Door. Not because it sucked, but after two episodes, even though I had high hopes for it, I just wasn't that interested in it. So then I did my, what I do when I'm not, when I'm losing interest in a show, I go, well, let me see the reviews because they could sway me to give it a little more of a chance. And then I saw it was like 56% on Rotten Tomatoes and I was like, oh, okay, I'm... So people really, like, critics really didn't enjoy this, and I'm not enjoying it that much. I thought it had potential. But then I do the, I do the couple of episodes check-in if, if I'm sort of, like, on the fence, just to be like, mm, should I keep going? And if it was, like, 90%, I'd be like, oh, okay, I guess it picks up. Like, I'm, I'm right to be intrigued. So I quit on that. But, so it always feel, but it always feels shitty when you, like, you know, when I watched, like, six episodes of Raised by Wolves on my train trips and was like, I'm not enjoying this. I wish I had just downloaded The Peacemaker for these train trips. Um, but, oh, The After Party, uh, huge thumbs up. Lo loved loved it. Just loved it. No no other way to describe it. I 
gladly mowed through the whole season and, and it didn't feel like a chore or an accomplishment. It was just like, yeah, I'm still enjoying this. I want to see how this ends. So the after party on Apple TV is my pick of the week, guys. Um, but hopefully that helped. What did I, what I, yeah, I mean, most of you are probably watching Cobra Kai. Um, maybe, maybe Coyote is a new one for you. So that's, that's just something to perk up the Paramount Plus subscribers out there. But if you're not a Paramount Plus subscriber, I would say, you know, no, no need to bother. But I think Paramount Plus is adding a lot of stuff in 2022 as they need to. Um, I think Paramount Plus is probably a better streaming platform for people who've cut the cord because they have like sports and, and their CBS shows. So it's really more, I think, beneficial. They, their original programming is, is, is severely lagging behind other, other streaming platforms. So I think it's more enticing for cord cutters than it is for just somebody looking for the next Netflix or, or Disney Plus. But they do have this movie coming out or series about the making of The Godfather. And I just figure I'll rejoin Paramount Plus like when the Beavis and Butthead new content drops. I think they have a Beavis and Butthead movie because then I can like do one month and just be like, oh, this month I'm watching these three things on Paramount Plus. Anyway, that's too much talk about Paramount Plus, guys. But uh, the after party on Apple TV is is the one. If you have and if you have Apple TV, that's the one I recommend very highly. Uh, and um, see, it's always nice. I like leaving the reviews till the end because it kind of guarantees that we leave the show on a positive note, or at least an upbeat note. Even if I thought something was shit, at least I I leave on an upbeat note. You know, and for some reason, my microphone is coming in very low. So I apologize for that. But, you know, maybe it comes in too high most days. So a more subdued, righteous prick today. So we're 35 minutes away from YouTube church. So I guess this is a good time to wrap this up. Once again, Buffalo, April 26th, New York City, May 14th, Boston, July 14th and 15th. Hopefully more dates to be added, and at least in the Northeast over the next couple of months until the special is done. And then I'll just search far and wide for gigs all over the nation. And hopefully a few of the clubs even respond to my emails. So with that said, I think I've given you all I can give you this week and all that you probably want and probably more than you wanted. Um, maybe a little too much Paramount Plus talk. Maybe a little too much tax talk. But... Um, I think that's it. Did I want to talk? Uh, hopefully we don't have World War Three. Here's when I would tell you guys to look out for World War Three. If I get in the next like month or two, if I get an agent or uh, my special sells to Netflix, you know, something that just seems totally out of the fucking natural order of the world, get in a bunker immediately because then we're going to get nuked. That is when we should all be very scared. When I post on net on Twitter or Facebook, guess who just got an HBO Max special? Then that's when you just dig a bunker under your home or find a, a someplace a mile deep, uh, protected by lead walls. Um, just get there immediately because obviously that's not supposed to happen. And I would even pinpoint the strike when the nukes would hit would be like the day my special goes live. Like Netflix has announced half blackface will air August 10th, 2022. Very hyped up special. There's billboards in Times Square. Uh, they're calling it the special of the year. And that's when you will hear. 
So just a warning. Obviously, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the special is going to be for sale on, you know, iTunes and Amazon and 93 of you will buy it. And, um, you know, so that so so we don't have to worry. But I'm just saying, if you see me this summer announcing that someone has bought the special, we're all in deep fucking shit. Like if you see or if you see like a month where I'm like, God, it's unbelievable. Billions has written me into season seven. The special got sold to Showtime. And I have an agent who's booked me on a, a 25 club tour for the end of 2022, beginning of 2023. It's all happening, guys. So on that pleasant note, guys, let's pray for peace. And, uh, you know, if the Lord can find a way to have peace in Ukraine and world peace and me to have comedy success, well, then only God can have, have that happen. But I feel like even God's like, that's a pretty tall order, JL. Just go to YouTube church and pray for something more important than your comedy career. And that's what I'm going to do, folks. So thanks for listening. Um, I'll put this up. Uh, I don't know. This party wants to just put it up now. Who gives a shit, right? Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see. It'll be up sometime. But I will, uh, you know, the next couple of weeks, uh, work is busy and the knee is keeping me occupied. So I, I will probably be like recording these on Sundays for the next couple of weeks. But uh, in spirit, you can... In in spirit, I will see you next Tuesday. Uh,